This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we have a very special show and quite a few guests. We have Tanya Kellen, who is the producer and director of Hero Dogs of 9-11, which will be airing on Animal Planet on September 10th. And we also have the co-director, Ken Bell. And in addition to Tanya and Ken, we have three guests who are featured in this documentary, Nancy Brooks, Gerald Lauber, and Michael Hinkson. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome these special guests to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat beautiful couture patterns for your pets including custom-knitted formal wear casual wear yachting and even sports themed many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats top hats and a lot of sparkle each sweater includes leg loops front paw sleeves and leash opening visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready large or small we fit them all designerpetsweaters.com It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have quite a few guests today to visit with us about the extraordinary documentary Hero Dogs of 9-11, which will be airing on Animal Planet on September 10th. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> We're so glad that you could all be with us, and we have so much to talk about the incredible work that you've done together to create this amazing documentary. And I think, Tanya, let's start with you as the director. Tell us what sparked the idea for you to create this incredible piece of work. 
Well, I'm so glad that, first of all, you invited all of us, and it's such an honor, it's such an important story, and really how it all came about was as a result of being connected to some very special people in New York City, and Ken Bell is one of those people who really contributed to everything that inspired this show, and what we did originally was uh, I got connected with Ken Bell, who has the dog files website and Facebook page. Dog Files is an incredible, beautiful website that features everything about dogs and and how to love them more. And Ken can tell you about that. Uh, He has all the great behind the scenes on his Dog Files website and Facebook page and everything that he's doing. When I met Ken, it was through our mutual friend, Jeff Gomez from Starlight Runner, who is a transmedia producer. And, And we originally looked at Dog Files and I was really impressed with Ken's work doing videos. And we wanted to promote his website. And then we all got together and said, what would really count in this world with dogs? And we found a a blog that had an article that talked about how there were over 300 dogs that uh, helped save lives. And so we all got together and, you know, Ken beautifully crafted a video, a six-minute tribute video in 2009, believe it or not, 2010 for the ninth anniversary of 9-11 as a special tribute. And it went over many media outlets, Huffington Post, MSNBC. It was a six-minute tribute video that we produced and executive produced together, and Ken was just masterful in how he put that together. And we launched it all over, and I took that to Animal Planet. We got over 250,000 hits with that video that went viral, and it really inspired the commemorative documentary special. When you watch it, you'll see that there are storybook endings, and Ken was instrumental in in, um, helping us in the vision of co-directing. It was a very complicated shoot. We had three directors. We had three camera teams in order to do this over a 16-week period, which is like a stealth, you know, Fox or CNN, MSNBC type of news operation. We needed a huge team with a lot of experience. So I'm um, really happy that we've got Ken here today as well to, to talk about uh, his experience. And he's also one of the executive producers with us on the special and co-director. Wow, it just is so incredible. And the pieces that I've seen of it, I mean, masterful is a very good way to describe it. I mean, it's just just beautifully done. And Ken, tell us, how did you manage a team of over 75 people and to recreate some of these reenactments? I mean, it was so moving. Well, I, I basically, it was so condensed because we had so such little time to do it in that uh, we basically had a few teams in New York City for two or three weeks. We wound up in Toronto where we did a lot of the uh, dramatic recreations and that's where Post was taking place. It was, it was pretty much an entire summer of all this giant crew coming together and doing this and being you know, really touched by all the people that were interviewing, all the people that were at 9-11, their stories, uh, the dogs. Uh, obviously, I run the dogpiles.com, so I have a big connection to the dogs. It was great to, uh, to meet everyone. It was great to meet Michael's new uh, dog, uh, Africa, and uh, talk to David Lim, whose dog Sirius died in 9-11. It was a really moving four months. For me, at least. I'd like to add that uh, one of the things that happened to us is that we did not know where we were going to recreate Ground Zero. And, you know, that was a tremendous feat. We, we actually found a location that is a secret, very high-level police site 
that is an old abandoned Walmart that doubled as a giant rubble pile that completely mimicked ground um, where we recreated pulling the last remaining survivor out of the rubble with our team. I have to say our Canadian and U.S. crews were unbelievable. The artistic direction and the way that they recreated that, we, we actually dressed up real police officers who gave us their services to help us because they believed in this project so much. So we were on an actual rubble pile that looked like ground zero in Toronto, believe it or not, but it looks like it's it looks like the real footage because you you match it up and um, you know even Janelle Guzman McMillan, the last remaining survivor from Ground Zero, who was pulled out of the rubble, when she watched the show, she told me that she could not believe. She said, "Where did you get that footage of me being pulled out of the rubble? I had no idea there was that footage. I've never seen it before." And I had to tell her that was actually her being pulled out of the rubble with her body double. We recreated it as best we could. So that was probably my most proud moment to know that all our work as as co-directors and and all the creative team of 75 people that we pulled together really did their job they went way beyond what we thought was possible yeah i know when i was watching it i have to say that it you know of course 9-11 is so embedded in all of our memories and our minds and we have different visuals that come to mind as we think of it but i was thinking the same thing about as incredible as all of the feats were that were all the people that did amazing miraculous things on 9-11 it seemed that this documentary was is just as miraculous. I mean, of all the, the way that you went back and the way that you feature the stories and, and the way that you recreated it is just so inspiring and moving. It's really emotional to watch it. I mean, it, it really is for, I think, for anyone who sees it or gets to experience it. I have to give credit to someone who has over 35 years experience in news storytelling. That's our creative consultant that we hired who's not on the call today, and that's John Tomlin, and I have to give so much credit to one of our other you know, uh, affiliate partners, which is Powderhouse and Starlight Runner Entertainment. Their feedback, as well as Ken Bell's, you know, we had experts. I've only been around in this business for 15 years. They had 35 years. You know, John Tomlin is one of the greatest talents and showrunners for Animal Planet Discovery, so he really needs to be thanked for that. He uh, really helped structure as a creative consultant. He advised us on the, on the way to structure all the acts and the dramatic reenactments and the storytelling to meet the incredible, incredible challenge of keeping the dramatic tone going. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, it's to everybody that we pulled it off. Thank you so much for that. That means so much to us. Yeah. The stories that are highlighted are just, oh my gosh, they're so moving. And I'd really like to hear, Michael, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your experience on 9-11 and about your guide dog. Sure. Well, again, as I said during the taping of the show, and as, as I talk about when I travel and speak, which you know I do a lot nowadays, it's really the team. It isn't just the dog. It isn't just the person, but it's the combination, which is so much more than just the sum of the parts, the team working together. In the case of guide dog and person, my guide dog helped in a number of ways. And of course, I also helped in keeping her calm, and we got to help others and other people helped us. But What happened on 9-11 was when the building was struck and it became obvious that there was something going on, although none of us anywhere near where I happened to be had any idea what was happening. 
I took my cues from the way Roselle was behaving. That is specifically, she wasn't exhibiting fear. She wasn't sensing anything that told her to panic, like she wasn't smelling smoke or anything that told her the building's on fire and we've got to get out of here right now. She was acting very focused and calm. And so the message I was getting from her was that we could evacuate in an orderly way, which we did. We went to the stairs after getting guests to the stairs. We then swept the offices and got to the stairs and started down and walked down 78 floors. We met first responders coming up the stairs. We interacted with other people. And I know that a number of people took a lot of interest in us going down the stairs and that helped keep them focused. Several people told me and continue to tell me when I see them that they were able to stay calm because they saw us going down the stairs together. They heard me praising Roselle and telling her what a good job she was doing. And the fact that we were both poised and focused allowed me to be able to interact with them and allowed me essentially, although I didn't know it, to be someone who helped these people go down the stairs. I was in Kansas City two weeks ago and I met someone who I had never met before, but who happened to be on the stairs and we passed them going down on 9-11. I, I hear this all the time that we really helped a lot of people, whether we knew it or not, just because in our way of going down the stairs. But then we got out and were actually a diagonally across from Tower 2 when it collapsed. But again, Roselle, even there, was able to focus so that as we were running from the towers, she was able to do so and follow directions and uh, do her part of the job. Again, it's a team effort, and she did what she needed to do, which helped us both survive. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And and I do want to tell our listeners that they should really check out the book that you wrote, Michael, Thunderdog, which really talks a whole lot about your experience. And it's just so wonderful. And, and also that Roselle was honored, wasn't she, with the American Humane Association Hero Dog Award, right? Right. Roselle was the first honoree, the first hero dog given the, the full award over all the categories in 2011. That was the first year of the, of the contest. So Roselle won, and then Thunderdog, the story of a blind man, a guide dog, and the triumph of trust was published in August of 9-11, went right to the bestseller list. And you know, this week, which happens to be the week of September 1st, which is when it came out on the bestseller list again. So it's on the bestseller list for the 13th time. So we're pretty excited about that. People can buy it anywhere you can buy books. And of course, they can go to my website, michaelhingson.com, and get the book there as well. Also, Ron Burns, the very famous animal artist, painted a picture of Roselle that is available. People can purchase that by going to www.ronburns.com, R-O-N-B-U-R-N-S.com slash Roselle, and Roselle is R-O-S-E-L-L-E. The portrait is available. 40% of the net proceeds of the portrait goes to Roselle's Dream Foundation, which is an organization that we formed to help provide technology for blind students in school, whether it be in elementary school or in college. So Roselle's legacy continues. Yes, yes, it does. That's excellent. I can't think of a, another dog that brings to mind the idea of a hero dog more than Roselle. Michael, it was probably one of many emotional experiences that I had was working with you, and I'm sure Ken can chime in on that too, where we had you go to the wall and we heard your story, and it's a testament to our researchers as well and our writing team. We had over five writers and five researchers and supervising producers and another director, Nadine Pequeniza, who was fabulous, and Joanne Jackson as well, our, our supervising producer. Everyone asked 
really good questions. There was obviously a lot of good research done. So I'm looking forward to the actual documentary airing this year. This year I will be in Texas speaking on 9-11. As I mentioned, I do a lot of traveling. Public speaking and motivational speaking is now a full-time career for me. And uh, so this is what we do. And I'm always looking for more opportunities so anyone can go to our website and learn about that, michaelhingson.com. Great. We are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. But please come right back as we continue talking with all of our guests today about the hero dogs of 9-11. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Join the dog ring revolution. If you love your dog and want to take them everywhere you go, now you can with Dog Ring. Dog Ring is a hands-free way to include your dog in more activities and give you the freedom to take your dog almost anywhere. It's a safe and easy way to secure your dog. It clips around trees, posts, and poles in seconds. It's lightweight, portable, and strong. It has a free sliding leash which allows your dog to run around without getting tangled up. Perfect for parks, picnics, barbecues, camping, lounging outside, and furry fun adventures everywhere. Now you can be part of the Dog Ring Revolution. Visit thedogring.com and sign up for our Kickstarter campaign. Registration is now open. Go to thedogring.com. That's thedogring.com. Your dog digs a hole under your fence, and the next thing you know... Protect your pets with Dig Defense, the amazing new product that keeps your pets in the yard. Dig Defense is safe, fast, and easy. Each unit is made from 4-gauge galvanized American steel and can be used for repairing digouts, filling gaps, or to hold fences down so pets can't get under them. Dig Defense provides peace of mind that your pets are contained humanely and safely. Visit digdefense.com today. D-I-G-D-E-F-E-N-C-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Gerald, you were a first responder that day, and you were part of a mobile vet clinic, right? That is correct. Yeah, can you tell us about your experience and your piece in the documentary? Sure. The, the Suffolk County SPCA is located about 30 miles outside of New York City. And as fortune would have it, we were just given by the county a, uh, a unit the size of a school bus that was set up to be a mobile veterinary hospital that the agency was going to use for its mobile spray neuter clinics. That morning, I was driving into a meeting in New York City, and my wife called me and uh, said, you know, did you hear that a plane hit the World Trade Center? And I said no, and, and I was able to pull off the road where I had a view of the World Trade Center from Queens, and saw the second plane hit. And uh, I immediately knew that this was no accident. This was, you know, an act of terror. About two minutes later, my beeper started going off, and my uh, police radio started going off, and, you know, there were calls coming in from New York City Canine to ask if we would be able to respond to come down to help provide veterinary support for the canines who are responding to attack on the World Trade Center. I was able to reach out to uh, my command, and uh, with the chief of the department, we put together a group of folks that got down there about 5.30 in the evening and set up our command station on West Street. 
it was interesting to find that there was no real control set up for providing support for the canines and their handlers at the scene. By the end of the evening, we were able to get maybe four or five volunteer veterinarians to come to the site uh, where we assessed needs, supplies, the logistics, the security. And by the following morning, we had six stations up and running with vet techs and supplies that um, provided the um, support for the canine SARs and the handlers. By the end of the second day, uh, we had 10 stations set up, and we were seeing dogs coming in with injuries, mostly to their paws, because the pile was still hot. And um, within a few hours, we had a, over a 1,000 pair of booties delivered to the site. And, of course, that was a whole retraining process that had to take place for the yard dogs because most of them are not used to operating with booties, but they were absolutely fantastic. We did have the station set up operational. We logged in, kept records of uh, every service dog that was treated. It was a combination of an exhilarating opportunity that we were able to help mobilize uh, support for all of these wonderful canines that came to the rescue, but it was so sad. And so there were cross emotions, and I don't usually deal with emotion. The law enforcement agency, the Suffolk County FDA in New York State, is empowered to enforce uh, all of the laws pertaining to protection of animals. And in a million years, I never expected that we would have to respond to a situation like this. I can only imagine what that must have been like for you to be there on site and to be working with all of those different dogs. I can only imagine how they were struggling with the environment that they were in and the conditions and what that was doing to their bodies. It was a toxic environment. There's no question about it. I mean, they, they worked too long the first couple of days because SAR dogs are not meant to work six-hour tours. They just can't do it. But the dogs were absolutely fantastic. The handlers were super some of the dogs uh, needed to be rewarded. We covered up a couple of people with fireman's jackets and let the dogs find them. So they sort of got an adrenaline boost uh, in terms of finding live people. Some of them worked better in teams. Some of them worked better individually. But the bottom line was that there really was no planning for command control. But I must say, you know, kudos to everybody because people set aside their ranks, their department, their jurisdictions, and, and all pulled together to make this happen. Yeah, wow. Well, and Nancy, you and your rescue dog, Jazz, were a part of a task force during 9-11. Is that correct? Well, we were with the Ramapo Rescue Dog Association, and we were called up three times to stand by to report either to Ground Zero or Fresh Kill Landfill, where they were putting a lot of the debris that came from Ground Zero and we were told to stand down three times. It was very frustrating to be there with the dog, packed, ready to go, and told to stand down. When we finally were called, we were sent to the Fresh Kills landfill site to do recovery. And what would happen is they would load up the truck free from ground zero and bring it over to Fresh Kills on Staten Island. And they would dump it out on the ground, and they would literally have a bulldozer spread it out amongst the ground, and the police officers and the FBI would literally go in with a rake and go through all the debris, and then they would send the dogs in to recover any human remains that were in fresh kills. So half of the unit went to fresh kills, and half of our unit belonged to the New Jersey Task Force, which deployed to Ground Zero from New Jersey that very day. 
Wow. I can only imagine how intense that must have been. And and how was it for you in working Jazz in that situation? I mean, how did Jazz deal with his own stress during that, that time? Well, like Michael had stated, search and rescue dogs, police dogs, military working dogs, we're a team. It's not all about the handler and what they can do. It's about the dog and what we can enable them to get to where they have to go. And they're the ones that take priority and they're the ones that do all the hard work. We just kind of deliver them to where we have to go. Jazz didn't particularly like working human remains. She'd kind of look at me with that look and like, you're making me do this. But... She loved to work, and she went ahead and she did her job and was successful, as were the other dogs, but it was teamwork. And the handlers on Ground Zero themselves had the same situation. They would go in, they would ask their dogs to search an area, and some of the areas were not safe, so they had to stay maybe 20, 30 feet away from their dogs. One of our handlers, Penny Sullivan, who's also in the documentary, her dog went out on the end of an I-beam, and he was over a hole maybe 50 feet deep with smoke of it. And he just kind of looked around and said, well, nothing up here, turned around on the I-beam and walked back down. Because of his training, he was able to do this. And shortly after that, the fire department sprayed water on the end of the I-beam, and it lit up like a Christmas tree because it was still so hot that the dog just walked as far as he could and then said, well, I can't go any further. But the dogs definitely, in some cases, reacted to our situations, and they were also used as therapy dogs to go in and help the firefighters and the police officers that had been there for days and days. But the dogs worked way beyond our expectations. You know, we knew they were good, and we were just astonished that they did as well as they did. Even the live find dogs at Ground Zero were trained specifically to alert for live people only. And after a while, they realized, well, you know, there's not any live people here, but there is somebody here. So they had automatically stepped outside their own training and did a job beyond what they were trained to do. Wow, so powerful. Oh, my goodness. This is very interesting. It's Mike Hinkson. We so often totally underestimate what our dogs can do. As uh, as humans, we just don't really understand how dedicated they are to working and how much they're really able to bring to the table. 9-11 is a perfect example of it, but I'm asked all the time, how can your dog go so long without going to the bathroom? You know, when we're flying five, six, and even longer numbers of hours, and the reality is they're, they're very used to it, and, and it's not that they put up with a lot, it's just part of the daily life for them. They will work till they drop, and we just oftentimes don't realize how committed and dedicated they are and how stressful it is for them. And our job is to try to keep that stress level as low as possible. And that's why a lot of praise and a lot of encouragement is so important just for for any dog, much less those of us who work with dogs as part of our regular team efforts. I agree, Michael. Every day, I'm still amazed at, at the things that Whistle does. And But like you said, you get into these incredible situations, and they just rise even higher than you could ever imagine, And which is so awesome that that's exactly what this documentary does, is it really, really focuses on that and shows everyone the level of commitment and Gosh, the professionalism. I mean, these dogs is just amazing. And Tanya, I have to ask you, what do you really want viewers to take away from this documentary? 
Oh, I have to say that one of the main takeaways that I'd love for your audiences, uh, radio and television, everyone who who's interested to watch this show, is that to know we're all connected as human beings at our core with animals, with dogs, more inextricably than we could ever imagine, and that the talents of the dogs go completely unnoticed. Pretty much everybody that I've ever spoken to that is not involved in the working dog community has really very little understanding of what the dogs are capable of. And there's more and more research showing that not only are they amazing creatures that can save people's lives in these most horrific circumstances, but they transform lives just by the very nature of the people that get involved with training dogs. Our research is showing that even kids in underprivileged areas and schools, the minute they interact with a dog and they learn how to train a dog, their behavioral issues change from, you know, being very violent to being much more calm and, and uh, you know, available. And so these dogs provided a tremendous amount of comfort to everybody at Ground Zero. And these are little known stories and takeaways. And really, the underlying tone of the whole show is that the act of being heroic in our communities today is so important. And having a dog in your life and knowing what dogs can do, it just increases your, your awareness, your humanity, your ability to love and feel really good about being there for everyone, including a dog who protects you and protects other people. You know, there's so much that I could say about the subtext of the show. And that's the big takeaway is that we are all connected, that dogs are really, as I think it was Gerald, you said something that was really a beautiful point that stuck out to me. Now, whether you're spiritual or not, and whether you have a faith or not, but everybody had to have faith that day that this was a miraculous rescue operation that no one was prepared for. And you're quoted in the show as saying that, you know, someone must have been dyslexic because the words for dog really say God. You said something like that and that I really believe that we're all inextricably linked to energy and dogs are just part of such a wonderful makeup. So there's that greater message that I, I would like everyone to know about how fantastic they are. And, and I hope they come away with the spirit of being renewed and uplifted, even though this is probably one of the most somber subjects I've ever had to tackle. Yeah, well, I can't imagine anyone watching this and not being uplifted by the incredible feats and, and contributions that these dogs made to so many individuals and to our country as a whole and, and to the world even with their dedication and, and their professionalism. It's just it's just breathtaking and it's so inspiring. Yes, and some of the featured, especially, you know, um, the likes of Gerald's team and, and Nancy and, you know, there's certain working dog communities that are gathered, you know, the United States has the best working dog communities in the world that are asked to save people in natural disasters around the world. And so we need to know that we have to support this community because there aren't enough resources and funding available. And we're working towards that. All of us are working towards that to share that importance. So I really hope that's a huge takeaway in this as well. 
there was an international effort because there were teams there from, from Canada, from Mexico, I believe from Israel. There were teams from around the world who responded to America, and it's quite a, you know, a pleasant thing to see, that even though those aren't the right words, that people come to the aid of a country that's been hate- aiding everybody around the world. That was, to me, very positive. Oh, we are out of time today, but we certainly would like to thank our guests, Tanya Kellen, Nancy Brooks, Gerald Lauber, Michael Hinkson, and Ken Bell for making our show today possible. And we hope everyone will tune in to watch Hero Dogs of 9-11, which will air on Animal Planet on September the 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and Pacific. And you, our listeners, we love to hear from you, so please keep those emails coming. And you know that you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and also at workinglikedogs.com. So thanks so much for being with us, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.